Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of a Light Unto My Path podcast. I am your host, Howard Sides, and uh, if you can't tell already, uh, we've made some upgrades to the podcast. I'm on my laptop now, and I've got one of these uh, professional microphones, semi-professional microphones, <laughs> so hopefully it sounds a little better, a little higher quality. Uh, maybe you can make out some things before that you couldn't. And I've got to play with it to get it just right. So it may sound uh, a little off or like it's down a tunnel or whatever may be the case. But I'm just trying to figure this thing out. So, you know, hopefully a couple of episodes and we'll get it right. Okay. Uh, where we are today. Uh, I know it's been a while. I've been trying to get this stuff and, you know, life just gets busy and all that going on. But. Uh, we are in uh, Revelation chapter 21 and uh, verse number 8 is where we're starting today. And this is continuing uh, the thought. Uh, let's see what the header is. just a minute and I'll have it down here I didn't think about having to go back and see what the oh well I know where to find it <laughs> okay right here okay what he hears that's that's the section we are in verse uh, one and two is um, Let's see, verses 1 and 2 is what he sees uh, in his vision of the New Jerusalem, John's vision of New Jerusalem, verse 1 and 2, what he sees. And then the section, uh, the second section, verses 3 through 8, is what he hears. Uh, now, there were the words of the angel in verses 3 through 4, and then the words of the Almighty in verses 5 through 8. So we're in that section, the words of the Almighty. Now, verses 5 through 7 covers what the Father is to the saved. Uh, or a, fa no, wait, hey, a father to the saved is the title. I'm sorry, father to the saved is the title. And here in verse 8, it's a foe to the unsaved, a foe to the unsaved. Okay, and so that's where we are. So let's get back to uh, our lesson today. And we'll read, uh, we'll just read verse 8. Um, there, there's quite a bit to cover in it. We'll never get through it all today, I'm sure. But uh the, another difference, where I was on my phone, I could actually record an hour-long podcast. Uh, the computer program, uh, for whatever reason, it limits it to 30 minutes. So uh, we'll just have a little 30-minute uh, lessons each time, which I think is better. I, 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 I tried to keep them at 30 minutes and, uh, you know, just get excited and chasing rabbits and forget where I'm at and all this kind of thing. All right, so here we go. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, which is the second death. Now, in this section here, J. Hampton Keithley third in his uh, commentary, he points out uh, that this verse stands as a, a, a point of contrast. And what I mean is 
uh, he goes in and he says, and I quote, Heaven will be everything that this life cannot be because of the presence of sin, darkness, sinful behavior, and Satan's ever-present activity. Today, one of the great sources of pain and misery is the very presence of those who are characterized by the things listed in this verse. By contrast to the believer who inherits these new things, including a glorified resurrected body without the presence of a sinful nature, is the unbeliever who is permanently excluded by the second death, uh, the eternal lake of fire. Now, I included in a quote that the second death is not being in the eternal lake of fire. It, the, the second death is separation from God. That's what the second death is. Uh, but I'll continue his quote. Uh, in contrast to those who will die in their sins and who must therefore continue in their evil character are believers who, in their glorified state, can never be guilty of such sins. This is clearly the point of this passage where the blessed conditions of our eternal future are being described. Just as Satan will not be there to cause misery and pain, so neither will those who commit such sin. The point of this entire section is the perfect purity and absence of anything impure or evil. Not even is there the absence of light. End quote. Okay, so this verse is often uh, misrepresented or and or even misunderstood as being some kind of a pattern of lifestyle uh, or characterization of anyone who cannot be in the New Jerusalem. Um, and, you know, I, I've heard it quite often, and you've heard it too. Oh, anybody who's ever been afraid, you're not going to be in New Jerusalem. Anybody who's uh, been a liar, you're not going to be in... Well, you got to think about that. We are still in a sinful nature. When we got saved, we did not become perfect. We're not perfect yet, and it's going to be a while before we are perfect. We're, it's not until we're raptured out of this world, and we get rid of this sinful body that will have anything to do with a perfect, sinless nature. So that can't, obviously, that can't be what this this verse is saying. So, <clears throat> uh, and, and again, that argument uh, of misrepresentation uh, of this being a pattern of lifestyle and, or anything like that, um, it, it when you get down to it, the building blocks of that argument is that this is uh, suggesting salvation is based on works, right? Uh, if you don't do any of these things, uh, you're you're rather a, pretty much a perfect person, right? Uh, you're never afraid. Uh, you never blaspheme. Uh, you're you're not a whoremonger. And, and I mean, some of these I, I get, but liar, you know, people lie all the time. People just do. It's our, our human nature. Some people may not, but some people do. You know what I'm saying? And, and so it, it's saying, hey, you can't be saved unless you follow uh, what this verse is saying and you don't, you're don't, you not guilty of any of these things. And it reminds you of that rich young ruler that come to Jesus and said, hey, you know, what, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, you've got to follow all the commandments. And he goes, well, I follow all the commandments. So what would, and you know, <laughs> uh, he's not following all the commandments. You know, he's not. Now, we, are, we were just told in verse six. Now, remember, remember this, that receiving the water of life is given freely. Okay. You can't earn salvation from your works. You can't achieve this right to heaven uh, by your lifestyle or your character, uh, your characteristics. Uh, the water of life has to be; it must be given freely. You cannot earn it. Okay. Now, also to avoid the works mentality, some suggest uh, that these are simply adjectives that describe a habitual pattern of the sinner who cannot help himself. 
Now, there are two theories, uh, or, or these two theories basically miss the point. Many unbelievers are not characterized by the things listed here. I know people who are unbelievers that live a cleaner, uh, better life than many, many Christians I know. And you know them too. So it's not that. Now, apart from being unsaved alone, uh, again, many unbelievers are moral and are characterized by integrity. But they too will be excluded from this city because of their lack of faith in Jesus Christ. And I mean, that that's what it boils down to. It's not how clean a life you live. It's who you believe in. Who your faith is in. This verse is not describing what qualifies or disqualifies people from the standpoint of their behavior while here on earth, but is showing what kind of people cannot be a part of the eternal kingdom in the future. Now, uh, now we've got that straight. Let's go through these characteristics that are listed here and uh, talk about each one for a little bit and, and kind of break it down. All right, the first one we see here is the word fearful, fearful. Uh, this is the Greek word delos, delos, if you were. It's D-E-I-L-O-S, delos, which means timid ones, persons showing fear in a shameful way. That's the key phrase, in a shameful way. This word describes those who, for fear of losing life or their property, refuse to receive the Christian faith, though they're convinced of its truth, and importance. Or having received salvation, then in times of persecution, fell away, not being willing to risk their lives. Now listen, th th this is asking quite a bit. You, I mean, you know what I'm saying? That th To have this kind of fearlessness uh, requires something without us. It, it's something that's not in us. And, and I refer back to uh, the Book of Martyrs, uh, in that time, in this time that we live in, listen, we're not really uh, attacked as being Christians. Not yet. I have to clear that. I mean, let's look at the past two weeks, what, since October the 8th, the 7th? Uh, look at what's going on in Israel. Did you ever, did you ever really think you'd see this level of protest and and uh, these protests around the United States, not the world, but the United States and our universities for the Palestinian people, and which is d directly in relation to being for Hamas. I mean, let's just face it. I'm not saying every Palestine, Palestinian is a, is, a, is a member of Hamas, but when the brass tacks come down to it, when Israel gave them, Israel gave them control of that area, and allowed them to set up their own form of government. Look it up. It's in the history books. Israel allowed them. Actually, time and time again, this is not the first time they're going to go in and fight. Uh, they've done it repeatedly. And yet they turn the control back over to the Palestinian people. And where do they go? They go right back to Hamas. They go right back to Hamas. So when you're asking for, uh, uh, you know, leniency and forgiveness and all that, nah, I don't have none. I'm sorry, that's just the way I see it. But here, this fearfulness that it's talking about, it, 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 when, when uh, Christians face persecution uh, of an extreme level, listen, there's something that, that God does to us. 
that allows us to um, persevere. And, and we see that if I'm, t I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, if you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you have got to read that book. Uh, it details in, in many cases the the persecution the the torture that people went through because they believed in Christ now i mean we understand that language today but we don't understand the concept of what that means these people were killed because they believed in Jesus Christ and, and many times they weren't just killed in 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 the fact that they were killed you know in a merciful way they were killed in the, some of the most horrific ways possible and yet they took it. They 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 stood there tied to a stake and were burned alive and were praying and singing psalms. That's not human at all. That is not in our flesh. That is something that God does to us and for us in that time. That's that grace that he gives us, that, that presence. That we don't walk around with this all day long. We don't need it until we need it. And that's when God gives it. Okay, so this word here, Fearful is used to describe a lack of this faith. Uh, Matthew 8, 26, And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse 40 also says, And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? Uh, how is it that ye have no faith? O ye of little faith, uh, how is it that ye have no faith? Uh, and again, he's really getting on to the um, disciples there. Why are you so afraid? Uh, and, and listen, we're, we're all guilty of saying, you know what? If I'd have been back in those days and walked with Jesus Christ, I'd have stood with him. I wouldn't have denied him in that time. No, we wouldn't. We, we would have done exactly what these disciples did. We would have. So... You know, we, we can't really condone them or condemn them so hard because we'd have walked right in their shoes, probably even worse than what they did. Now, now during the tribulation period, the beast worshipers took his mark partly out of fear of losing their lives. Remember that? Uh, back in Revelation chapter 13, verse 15, it says, and he had power to give life. It's talking about the false prophet. He, the pro false prophet, had power to give life unto the image of the beast, the idol that the image of the beast, the idol, should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Um, that's rather intimidating. You either fall down, and, and this is not the first time this has happened in history. Uh, the three Hebrew boys, they were told to bow down in front of that idol or they'd be killed. And what did they do? They took a stand. And what happened? They were thrown in the oven. They sure were. But you remember what it said when, when King Nebuchadnezzar looked in that oven, said he seen the fourth person and looked like the Son of God. How in the world? And that's a statement that fascinates me. Here is a, a Gentile king, ungodly king, and he looks in this fire and he recognizes who it is. Is that the right word, recognizes? Maybe not recognize. That, that shows familiarity from a previous point of knowledge but he knew who it was he had no doubt who it was 
And when God moves like that, I think that's the case. When God moves in instances like that, uh, he leaves no doubt that he was there. <laughs> and I think that's just what it is. But now, again, here, this wicked and lazy servant, he hid his talent in the ground out of fear rather than investing it for the uh, Lord's benefit. Do you remember that? And for that, he was cast in the outer darkness. Uh, that's talked about in Matthew 25. Uh, in verse 25, his response to the master was, And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. Okay, that's a statement. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. In other words, he said, look, here it is. This is what you gave me, and I'm giving back to you exactly what you gave me. And that's not what uh, we were supposed to do for the master. We're supposed to increase it. Uh, over in Luke 19, verse 21, <clears throat> he, he talks about it again. He says, uh, verse Luke 19, 21, <clears throat> excuse me, for I feared thee because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down and reapest that thou didst not sow. In that statement right there, he's proven that he knows what kind of man his master is. He gains. That that he has, he gains. Or that that he used to have, he gains. Uh, why would he think he wasn't going to require that of his servant? Uh, you know, let's let's think about that a minute, you know. Um, so here is this uh, wicked and lazy uh, servant. And, and it's an example of this kind of fearfulness now. Again, those who deny Jesus before men, possibly out of fear, uh, will not be confessed by the Son of Man before God and his angels. And that is in uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 8 through 9. I'm having to flip through the pages because I didn't write all these references down. Or I didn't write the verses in my notes yet. Sorry about that. So those who deny Jesus before men, possibly out of fear, will not be confessed by the Son of Man before God and his angels. Luke chapter 12, verses 8 and 9. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. So, uh, this passage concerns those who are among the unredeemed. And this word talks about those who are unredeemed. This is not a threat that believers who struggle with fear at times are in danger of the lake of fire. That's, that's not what's being said here at all. Those who are born again having, uh, have not been given a spirit of fear. Uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Okay, now, unbelieving, the next word, unbelieving, it says, but the fearful and unbelieving uh, is the opening phrase. Now, what a strange order, when you think about this, uh, that these two words top the list of these sins here. Uh, isn't that not strange, fearful and unbelieving? And then, then you throw out some of these heavy hitters here, like, uh, uh, whoremongers, murderers, sorcerers, idolaters, but you got fearful and unbelieving right at the top. That's strange. Now, James Knox, in his commentary, he said, and I quote, 
Uh, those who are afraid to confess Christ for the sake of their standing with men or because of the sore consequences which might follow are placed ahead of the vilest sinners. Any a lost man has defended himself by pointing out that he never killed anyone or that he never committed some heinous crime against his fellow man. But the fearful are just as surely damned and more so, for they knew the way of escape but were unwilling to take it. And that's the difference in these two. Now, this word unbelieving here is the Greek word apistos, apistos, A-P-I-S-T-O-S, A-P-I-S-T-O-S, which means disbelieving, as in resisting against full evidence without faith. And even it talks about the word untrustworthy. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12 says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. All right, now, in getting to what this is, God shall send them strong delusion. How many times have we heard people say, well, you know, when I, when the rapture takes place, you know, I'll know it's for real. Then I'll, I'll get serious and I'll, I'll come to terms with God. Or they'll say, you know, I'll get saved, you know, whatever they say. Um, and even those that don't say it, you know that most people walking around today, that's what they believe. That have this end of times thing on the brain. Uh, even Tucker Carlson the other night, he was speaking at some... Uh, a conference for uh, a company he started. Uh, I forget what it was, but he even made the comment, hey, uh, in this day and age, are we not thinking of the end times? And, and I've even heard Fox News talk about it. Uh, and, and you throwing around words like Armageddon. Well, we know Armageddon's not going to take place until the middle and towards the end even of uh, uh, the tribulation period. So uh, we're well before that. But something's going to happen to instigate all that, to start it all. And this stuff going on in Israel, boy, it sure is fitting like a glove, is it not? Um, it just it just has the feel of it. Do you, do you not feel the spark in the air? Um, it's like you can smell it. It's right on the cusp. It's it's right here. Uh, what's the song? Just any day now, the Lord is coming. <laughs> I think we're we're in a a closer position than ever before. Now, I know anybody can say that as long as time goes on. We're always getting closer. But, I mean, you, you, you get it. I mean, you sense it. It's, it's like right here. <laughs> now, uh, God shall send them a strong delusion. Now, when the church is taken out of here, those that are left behind, they're going to believe a lie. What is the lie they're going to believe? I, I think it's all being set up right now. I think that it's going to be some type of... Uh, uh, Invasion by aliens is how they're going to explain away. All those people were taken uh, by aliens, spacecraft, or, and it may not be a frightening thing. It may be that it's like they talk about it as a good thing. Um, you look at all these cults around the world. I'm, I'm, listen, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it before on here. Um, let me look it up real quick so I can, I can get it right. 
Um, um, let me see. My buddy Matt Strader, there's your shout out to you. Uh, Matt uh, turned me on to uh, these YouTube videos by missionary Spencer Smith. Spencer Smith. And he's got these videos named Third Adam. And he's basically saying the Third Adam is the Antichrist or Satan, uh, however he is. But man, I'm telling you what, that, now these videos are pretty long. Uh, two hours, three hours, sometimes four hours, I think. But um, man, <laughs> he... He talks about this delusion uh, and how it's going to work uh, and and how this, this alien technology and all this stuff is being used in even modern churches today. And it, and it folds right into uh, uh, the Babylonian mystery religion. And I, I, I'm, I don't have time to really get into it. I'm chasing rabbits and I got to get uh, this point closed out here because I'm about to run out of my 30 minutes here. But uh, unbelieving here is not to be confused with unknowing. Unbelieving and unknowing, two different things. The meaning here is that of one who knows the truth, but chooses to refuse. Those who know the truth, but chooses to refuse uh, and head down a different path. They know this is the truth. They know this is right. They know without a doubt there's nothing wrong with this. But yet they say, no. I re I'm, I'll, I'll deal with it later. Uh, they either say wait or they just flat out refuse it. John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in on him. Not in him, but on him. <clears throat> 1 John 5, 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not, God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. There are no unbelievers among the overcomers. 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, James Burton Kaufman, in his commentary, he said, and I quote, Unbelief is a gross, unpardonable sin, unless repented of. Unbelief is never a consequence of knowledge, education, intelligence, or honesty. It is always a child of wickedness. I repeat that. It is always a child of wickedness. End quote. John chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. That's unbelieving. Okay, um, we've about reached our 30-minute point, so I'm going to stop right there. And... Um, I hope this format works out better. I, I hope it's a clear, concise um, recording. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for listening today. Uh, again, I ask you to pray for uh, pray for me, pray for the podcast, pray for those. Uh, listen, I just checked today. Uh, it's it, this podcast has has been introduced to fourteen countries now. I think it's fourteen countries. That, that's incredible. Um, not anything I've done. It's the word of God. That, that's what it is. They, they don't want to hear me. They don't know who I am. 
it's all about the study of the Word of God. And I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing that a bunch of people can get together and do that. And so that's why we're here. Uh, I'll pray for your local church. Uh, pray for the United States. I mean, we're in just as much trouble now as we've ever been. I mean, we're, we've taken a massive swift plunge here. Uh, and also pray for Israel in the defense of their country. I mean, these are God's people, man. I mean, God's people that they're messing with. There's nothing good going to come out of this. All right. Uh, so that's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening. God bless and have a great day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of a Light Unto My Path podcast. I am your host, Howard Sides. And uh, if you can't tell already, uh, we've made some upgrades to the podcast. I'm on my laptop now, and I've got one of these uh, professional microphones, semi-professional microphones. <laughs> So hopefully it sounds a little better, uh, a little higher quality. Uh, maybe you can make out some things before that you couldn't. And I've got to play with it to get it just right. So it may sound uh, a little off or like it's down a tunnel or whatever may be the case. But I'm just trying to figure this thing out. So, you know, hopefully a couple of episodes and we'll get it right. Okay. Uh, where we are today. Uh, I know it's been a while. I've been trying to get this stuff and, you know, life just gets busy and all that going on, but uh, we are in uh, Revelation chapter 21, and uh, verse number 8 is where we're starting today, and this is continuing uh, the thought, uh, let's see what the header is, Just a minute, and I'll have it down here. I didn't think about having to go back and see what the... Oh, well. I know where to find it. <laughs> okay, right here. Okay, what he hears. That's, that's the section we are in. Verse uh, 1 and 2 is... Um, Let's see, verses 1 and 2 is what he sees uh, in his vision of the New Jerusalem, John's vision of New Jerusalem, verse 1 and 2, what he sees. And then the section, uh, the second section, verses 3 through 8, is what he hears. Uh, now, there were the words of the angel in verses 3 through 4, and then the words of the Almighty in verses 5 through 8. So we're in that section, the words of the Almighty. Now, verses 5 through 7 covers what the Father is to the saved. Uh, or a, fa no, wait, hey, a father to the saved is the title. I'm sorry. Father to the saved is the title. And here in verse 8, it's a foe to the unsaved. A foe to the unsaved. Okay. And so that's where we are. So let's get back to uh, our lesson today. And we'll read, uh, we'll just read verse 8. Um, there, there's quite a bit to cover in it. We'll never get through it all today, I'm sure. But uh the, another difference, where I was on my phone, I could actually record an hour-long podcast. Uh, the computer program, uh, for whatever reason, it limits it to 30 minutes. So uh, we'll just have little 30-minute uh, lessons each time, which I think is better. I, 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 I tried to keep them at 30 minutes and, uh, you know, I'd just get excited and chasing rabbits and forget where I'm at and all this kind of thing. All right, so here we go. 
Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, which is the second death. Now, in this section here, J. Hampton Keithley III, in his uh, commentary, he points out uh, that this verse stands as a, a, a point of contrast. And what I mean is, uh, he goes in and he says, and I quote, Heaven will be everything that this life cannot be because of the presence of sin, darkness, sinful behavior, and Satan's ever-present activity. Today, one of the great sources of pain and misery is the very presence of those who are characterized by the things listed in this verse. By contrast to the believer who inherits these new things, including a glorified resurrected body without the presence of a sinful nature, is the unbeliever who is permanently excluded by the second death, uh, the eternal lake of fire. Now, I included in a quote that the second death is not being in the eternal lake of fire. It, the, the second death is separation from God. That's what the second death is. Uh, but I'll continue his quote. Uh, in contrast to those who will die in their sins and who must therefore continue in their evil character are believers who, in their glorified state, can never be guilty of such sins. This is clearly the point of this passage where the blessed conditions of our eternal future are being described. Just as Satan will not be there to cause misery and pain, so neither will those who commit such sin. The point of this entire section is the perfect purity and absence of anything impure or evil. Not even is there the absence of light. End quote. Okay, so this verse is often uh, misrepresented or and or even misunderstood as being some kind of a pattern of lifestyle. Uh, or characterization of anyone who cannot be in the New Jerusalem. Um, and, you know, I, I've heard it quite often, and you've heard it too. Oh, anybody who's ever been afraid, you're not going to be in New Jerusalem. Anybody who's uh, been a liar, you're not going to be in... Well, you got to think about that. We are still in a sinful nature. When we got saved, we did not become perfect. We're not perfect yet. And it's going to be a while before we are perfect. We're, it's not until we're raptured out of this world and we get rid of this sinful body that will have anything to do with a perfect, sinless nature. So that can't, obviously, that can't be what this, this verse is saying. So, <clears throat> uh, and, and again, that argument uh, of misrepresentation uh, of this being a pattern of lifestyle and, or anything like that, um, it... it when you get down to it, the building blocks of that argument is that this is uh, suggesting salvation is based on works, right? Uh, if you don't do any of these things, uh, you're you're rather a, pretty much a perfect person, right? Uh, you're never afraid. Uh, you never blaspheme. Uh, you're you're not a whoremonger. And, and I mean, some of these I, I get, but liar, you know, people lie all the time. People just do. It's our, our human nature. Some people may not, but some people do. You know what I'm saying? And, and so it, it's saying, hey, you can't be saved unless you follow uh, what this verse is saying and you don't, you're do not you not guilty of any of these things. And it reminds you of that rich young ruler that come to Jesus and said, hey, you know, what, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, you've got to follow all the 
commandments. And he goes, well, I follow all the commandments. So what would, and you know, <laughs> uh, he's not following all the commandments. You know, he's not. Now, we are. We were just told in verse six. Now, remember, remember this, that receiving the water of life is given freely. Okay. You can't earn salvation from your works. You can't achieve this right to heaven uh, by your lifestyle or your character, uh, your characteristics. Uh, the water of life has to be, it must be given freely. You cannot earn it. Okay. Now also to avoid the works mentality, some suggest uh, that these are simply adjectives that describe a habitual pattern of the sinner who cannot help himself. Now there are two theories uh, or, or these two theories basically miss the point. Many unbelievers are not characterized by the things listed here. I know people who are unbelievers that live a cleaner, uh, better life than many, many Christians I know. And you know them too. So it's not that. Now, apart from being unsaved alone, uh, again, many unbelievers are moral and are characterized by integrity. But they too will be excluded from this city because of their lack of faith in Jesus Christ. And I mean, that that's what it boils down to. It's not how clean a life you live. It's who you believe in, who your faith is in. This verse is not describing what qualifies or disqualifies people from the standpoint of their behavior while here on earth, but is showing what kind of people cannot be a part of the eternal kingdom in the future. Now, uh, now we've got that straight. Let's go through these characteristics that are listed here and uh, talk about each one for a little bit and, and kind of break it down. All right, the first one we see here is the word fearful. Fearful. Uh, this is the Greek word delos. Delos, if you were. It's D-E-I-L-O-S. Delos, which means timid ones. Persons showing fear in a shameful way. That's the key phrase, in a shameful way. This word describes those who, for fear of losing life or their property, refuse to receive the Christian faith, though they're convinced of its truth and importance. Or, having received salvation, then in times of persecution, fell away, not being willing to risk their lives. Now listen, th th this is asking quite a bit. You, I mean, you know what I'm saying. That, that, to have this kind of fearlessness uh, requires something without us. It, it's something that's not in us. And, and I refer back to uh, the Book of Martyrs uh, in that time. In this time that we live in, listen, we're not really uh, attacked as being Christians. Not yet. I don't, <laughs> I have to clear that. I mean, let's look at the past two weeks. What, since October the 8th, the 7th? Uh, look at what's going on in Israel. Did you ever, did you ever really think you'd see this level of protest and, and uh, these protests around the United States, not the world, but the United States and our universities for the Palestinian people? And which is directly in relation to being for Hamas. I mean, let's just face it. I'm not saying every Palestine, Palestinian is a, is, a, is a member of Hamas, but when the brass tacks come down to it, when Israel gave them, Israel gave them control of that area and allowed them to set up their own form of government, 
Look it up. It's in the history books. Israel allowed them. Actually, time and time again, this is not the first time they're going to go in and fight. Uh, they've done it repeatedly. And yet they turn the control back over to the Palestinian people. And where do they go? They go right back to Hamas. They go right back to Hamas. So when you're asking for, uh, uh, you know, leniency and forgiveness and all that, nah, I don't have none. I'm sorry, that's just the way I see it. But here, this fearfulness that it's talking about, it, 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 when when uh, Christians face persecution uh, of an extreme level, listen, there's something that, that God does to us uh, that allows us to um, persevere. And, and we see that if I'm, t I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, if you've never read Fox's book of martyrs, you have got to read that book. Uh, it details in, in many cases, the, the persecution, the, the torture that people went through because they believed in Christ. Now, I mean, we understand that language today, but we don't understand the concept of what that means. These people were killed because they believed in Jesus Christ. And, and many times they weren't just killed in, in, in the fact that they were killed, you know, in a merciful way. They were killed in the, some of the most horrific ways possible. And yet they took it. They, they, they stood there tied to a stake and were burned alive and were praying and singing psalms. That's not human at all. That is not in our flesh. That is something that God does to us and for us in that time. That's that grace that he gives us, that, that presence. That we don't walk around with this all day long. We don't need it until we need it, and that's when God gives it. Okay, so this word here, fearful, is used to describe a lack of this faith. Uh, Matthew 8, 26, and he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse 40 also says, And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? Uh, how is it that ye have no faith? O ye of little faith, uh, how is it that ye have no faith? Uh, and again, he's really getting on to the... Um, Disciples, why are you so afraid? Uh, and, and listen, we're, we're all guilty of saying, you know what? If I'd have been back in those days and walked with Jesus Christ, I'd have stood with him. I wouldn't have denied him in that time. No, we wouldn't. We, we would have done exactly what these disciples did. We would have. So, you know, we, we can't really condone them or condemn them so hard because we'd have walked right in their shoes, probably even worse than what they did. Now, now during the tribulation period, the beast worshipers took his mark partly out of fear of losing their lives. Remember that? Uh, back in Revelation chapter 13, verse 15, it says, and he had power to give life. It's talking about the false prophet. He, the pro false prophet, had power to give life unto the image of the beast, the idol. That the image of the beast, the idol, should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Um, that's rather intimidating. You either fall down, and, and this is not the first time this has happened in history. Uh, the three Hebrew boys, they were told to bow down in front of that idol or they'd be killed. 
And what did they do? They took a stand. And what happened? They were thrown in the oven. They sure were. But you remember what it said when, when King Nebuchadnezzar looked in that oven? said he seen the fourth person and looked like the Son of God. How in the world? And that's a statement that fascinates me. Here is a, a Gentile king, ungodly king, and he looks in this fire and he recognizes who it is. Is that the right word, recognizes? Maybe not recognize. That, that shows familiarity from a previous point of knowledge. But he knew who it was. He had no doubt who it was. And when God moves like that, I think that's the case. When God moves in instances like that, uh, he leaves no doubt that he was there. <laughs> and I think that's just what it is. But now, again, here, this wicked and lazy servant, he hid his talent in the ground out of fear rather than investing it for the uh, Lord's benefit. You remember that? And for that, he was cast in outer darkness. Uh, that's talked about in Matthew 25. Uh, in verse 25, his response to the master was, And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. Okay, that's a statement. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. In other words, he said, look, here it is. This is what you gave me, and I'm giving back to you exactly what you gave me. And that's not what uh, we were supposed to do for the master. We're supposed to increase it. Uh, over in Luke 19, verse 21, <clears throat> he, he talks about it again. He says, uh, Luke 19, 21, <clears throat> excuse me, for I feared thee because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down and reapest that thou didst not sow. In that statement right there, he's proven that he knows what kind of man his master is. He gains. That that he has, he gains. Or that that he used to have, he gains. Uh, why would he think he wasn't going to require that of his servant? Uh, you know, let's let's think about that a minute, you know. Um, so here is this uh, wicked and lazy uh, servant. And, and it's an example of this kind of fearfulness now. Again, those who deny Jesus before men, possibly out of fear, uh, will not be confessed by the Son of Man before God and his angels. And that is in uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 8 through 9. I'm having to flip through the pages because I didn't write all these references down. Or I didn't write the verses in my notes yet. Sorry about that. So those who deny Jesus before men, possibly out of fear, will not be confessed by the Son of Man before God and his angels. Luke chapter 12, verses 8 and 9. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. So, uh, this passage concerns those who are among the unredeemed. And this word talks about those who are unredeemed. This is not a threat that believers who struggle with fear at times are in danger of the lake of fire. That's, that's not what's being said here at all. Those who are born again having, uh, have not been given a spirit of fear. Uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, But of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Okay. Now, unbelieving. The next word, unbelieving. It says, but the fearful and unbelieving uh, is the opening phrase. Now, what a strange order when you think about this, uh, that these two words top the list of these sins here. Uh, isn't that not strange? Fearful and unbelieving. And then, then you throw out some of these heavy hitters here, like uh, uh, whoremongers, murderers, sorcerers, idolaters. But you got fearful and unbelieving right at the top. That's strange. Now, James Knox, in his commentary, he said, and I quote, uh, those who are afraid to confess Christ for the sake of their standing with men or because of the sore consequences which might follow are placed ahead of the vilest sinners. Any a lost man has defended himself by pointing out that he never killed anyone or that he never committed some heinous crime against his fellow man. But the fearful are just as surely damned and more so, for they knew the way of escape but were unwilling to take it. And that's the difference in these two. Now, this word unbelieving here is the Greek word apistos, apistos, A-P-I-S-T-O-S, A-P-I-S-T-O-S, which means disbelieving, as in resisting against full evidence, without faith. And even it talks about the word untrustworthy. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12 says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. All right, now, in getting to what this is, God shall send them strong delusion. How many times have we heard people say, well, you know, when I, when the rapture takes place, you know, I'll know it's for real. Then I'll get serious and I'll, I'll come to terms with God. Or they'll say, you know, I'll get saved, you know, or whatever they say. Um, and even those that don't say it, you know that most people walking around today, that's what they believe. That have this end of times thing on the brain. Uh, even Tucker Carlson the other night, he was speaking at some... Uh, a conference for uh, a company he started. Uh, I forget what it was, but he even made the comment, hey, uh, in this day and age, are we not thinking of the end times? And, and I've even heard Fox News talk about it. Uh, and, and you throwing around words like Armageddon. Well, we know Armageddon's not going to take place until the middle and towards the end even of uh, uh, the tribulation period. So uh, we're well before that. But something's going to happen to instigate all that, to start it all. And this stuff going on in Israel, boy, it sure is fitting like a glove, is it not? Um, it just it just has the feel of it. Do you, do you not feel the spark in the air? Um, it's like you can smell it. It's right on the cusp. It's, it's right here. Uh, what's the song? Just any day now, the Lord is coming. <laughs> I, I think we're... We're in a a closer position than ever before. Now, I know anybody can say that as long as time goes on. I, we are always getting closer. But, I mean, you, you just you get it. I mean, you sense it. It's, it's like right here. <laughs> now, uh, God shall send them a strong delusion. Now, when the church is taken out of here, those that are left behind, they're going to believe a lie. 
What is the lie they're going to believe? I I think it's all being set up right now. I think that it's going to be some type of uh, uh, invasion by aliens is how they're going to explain away. All those people were taken uh, by aliens, spacecraft, or and it may not be a frightening thing. It may be that it's like they talk about it as a good thing. Um, you look at all these cults around the world. I'm, listen, I, I've, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it before on here. Um, let me look it up real quick so I can, I can get it right. Um, um, let me see. My buddy Matt Strader, there's your shout out to you. Uh, Matt uh, turned me on to uh, these YouTube videos by missionary Spencer Smith. Spencer Smith. And he's got these videos named Third Adam. And he's basically saying the Third Adam is the Antichrist or Satan, uh, however it is. But man, I'm telling you what, now these videos are pretty long. Uh, two hours, three hours, sometimes four hours, I think. But... Um, Man, <laughs> he he talks about this delusion uh, and how it's going to work, uh, and and how this this alien technology and all this stuff is being used in even modern churches today, and it and it folds right into uh, uh, the Babylonian mystery religion. And I, I I'm I don't have time to really get into it. I'm chasing rabbits, and I got to get uh, this point closed out here because I'm about to run out of my thirty minutes here. But uh, unbelieving here is not to be confused with unknowing. Unbelieving and unknowing, two different things. The meaning here is that of one who knows the truth, but chooses to refuse. Those who know the truth, but chooses to refuse uh, and head down a different path. They know this is the truth. They know this is right. They know without a doubt there's nothing wrong with this. But yet they say, no. I re, I'm, I'll, I'll deal with it later. Uh, they either say wait or they just flat out refuse it. John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in on him. Not in him, but on him. <clears throat> 1 John 5, 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not, God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. There are no unbelievers among the overcomers. 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, James Burton Kaufman, in his commentary, he said, and I quote, Unbelief is a gross, unpardonable sin, unless repented of. Unbelief is never a consequence of knowledge, education, intelligence, or honesty. It is always a child of wickedness. I repeat that. It is always a child of wickedness. End quote. John chapter 3, verse 19 and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. That's unbelieving. Okay, um, we've about reached our 30-minute point.
so I'm going to stop right there. And um, I hope this format works out better. I, I hope it's a clear, concise um, recording. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for listening today. Uh, again, I ask you to pray for uh, pray for me, pray for the podcast, pray for those. Uh, listen, I just checked today. Uh, it's it, this podcast has has been introduced to fourteen countries now. I think it's fourteen countries. That's incredible. Um, not anything I've done. It's the Word of God. That, that's what it is. They, they don't want to hear me. They don't know who I am. It's all about the study of the Word of God. And I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing that a bunch of people can get together and do that. And so that's why we're here. Uh, I'll pray for your local church. Uh, pray for the United States. I mean, we're in just as much trouble now as we've ever been. I mean, we're, we've taken a massive swift plunge here. Uh, and also pray for Israel in the defense of their country. I mean, these are God's people, man. I mean, God's people that they're messing with. There's nothing good going to come out of this. All right. Uh, so that's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening. God bless and have a great day.